Okay, so anyway, like I said, um, we're going to use Matthew, this, the second half of Matthew 12 as a springboard to jump into a study on the Holy Spirit. Now, you know, some people think they're an expert on the Holy Spirit. Some people think they know nothing. So I know everybody's coming from a different, uh, a different point, but it's certainly uh, a part of a person in the Trinity that is probably the most misunderstood uh, when it comes to, but, uh, just because it's, it's one of those things that most people we don't look at very often. And so I think that, that's why it would, I thought it would be good for us. And also, as we're thinking about, as we're doing church planting, thinking about church planting, thinking about, you know, the movement of God's Spirit here, what is God's Spirit doing in Charlottesville, what's God's Spirit doing in us? Uh, so we can, we can look at those questions, we'll look at the gifts of the Holy Spirit, we'll look at the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the filling of the Holy Spirit. A lot of these different concepts you may have heard before, but never really dug into from the Scripture and looked at what does the Scripture teach about these things. So that's coming up. Quick little preview, but for now, we're in the first part of Matthew chapter 12, first verses 1 through 21. So if you, don't, if you want to, turn there with me right now, and we'll, uh, we'll read them together. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. He said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry, and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which it was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests? Or have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. He went on from there and entered the synagogue, and a man there with a withered hand, was there with a withered hand. And they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath, Jesus? So they might accuse him. And he said to them, that is the Pharisees, Which one of you who has a sheep, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And the man stretched it out, and it was restored, healthy like the other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him. Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there, and many followed him, and he healed them all and ordered them not to make him known. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved with whom my soul is well pleased, I will put my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not quench, until he brings justice to victory, and in his name the Gentiles will hope. This is the word of God. Um, I want to start with a quick illustration. Uh, I brought this one for the boring, boring part, and I brought this one for the more interesting part. Uh, think of this blindfold... And I'll use the uh, Splatoon guy in just a minute. Think of this blindfold as pride. 
don't know if you ever thought about pride in this way. Can, can somebody quickly define pride for me? What's pride? Give me a quick definition. Anybody? Take a stab at it. What's pride? Self-centeredness. Self-centeredness. Okay, that's getting at it. Wait, back row, back row. Oh, does she know? Does she have a good yeah, definition? Does she have a good, you have a good it's, definition? It's, it's overconfidence itself. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Feeling like you're right all the time. Feeling like you're right all the time. <laughs> all right. I like that feeling. Yeah, so pride is all those things, absolutely. Feeling like you're right all the time. But interestingly, pride is also like a blindfold. Let me see if I can get this on myself real quick. And this is how Jesus, when he's talking about the Pharisees, this is how he describes, this is how he describes the Pharisees, these guys that are walking up to his disciples right now. Like, if I have this on, um, and I'm being prideful, it's, it's very difficult for me to, to do what? To, like, figure out where I'm going, right? If I'm trying to get somewhere, if I'm trying to understand where I am and where I need to go, then I'm going to have a lot of trouble. Oh, sorry, who's that? Who's that? Me. Is that Hunter? Okay, that's Hunter. Okay, good. I'm glad that wasn't somebody else. Um, it's difficult to know where you're going. You're, you're, you, don't, you can't lead anyone anywhere. You can't even lead yourself. And this is how Jesus describes the Pharisees when he's talking about the Pharisees. He says they are blind guides. I'm, that's just a quick preview of what's coming up later on in Matthew. Uh, chapter 23 Jesus says, you blind guides. He says, you're blind to the purposes of God. You're blind. You lead other people in blind ways. You, you crash and you burn. Think about that phrase for a minute. You've heard this one before? Pride cometh before a? Fall. I don't think it's in the Bible, but it's still a good phrase. Why, why do we use that phrase? Pride cometh before a fall. Because pride is like blindness. All right? Pride, is, pride blinds us to the truth and it's going to make you fall. It's going to make you stumble because you don't know where you're going. Just like me running into these chairs here in the front row, it's a stumbling block. And this was particularly true of these guys who attack Jesus called the Pharisees. They were teachers of the law. They were the Jewish leaders at the time in the first century. And they were vicious with Jesus. And in this passage, they are vicious with Jesus' disciples. They were blind to who God is, and they were blind to who they are. And now we're going to unpack that as we look at this passage this morning. But I wanted us to just get into our mind this idea of blinding pride. And Hunter, this one's for you. This thing can also blind. I can't. This is another way that Jesus described the Pharisees. He said, seeing they do not see. It's sort of like this right here. It looks as though I, I have eyes and that I can see, but in fact, I can't see a thing. I'm completely blind. That's, that's how Jesus, again, describes the Pharisees in chapter 23 of Matthew. So here's the outline, if you're a, if you're a note taker, from this particular passage. The Pharisees, because of blinding pride, they missed the majesty and the motives of God. They missed the majesty and the motives of God. Because of blinding pride, the Pharisees missed the message of Jesus, the message of the law. And lastly, because of blinding pride, the Pharisees missed 
the Messiah. They missed the Messiah. Okay, let's look first, though, at what it means that because of blinding pride, the Pharisees missed the majesty and the motives of God. I want to work backwards from a phrase that Jesus uses to them. So here they are. Jesus is walking through the fields, right, with his disciples behind him. And it's on a Sunday. It's on a, well, at that time, the Sabbath wasn't Sunday, but we're going to beside the point. The Sabbath day, right? The, the seventh day of the week, the one, the one that God rested on. And the disciples are hungry. So they begin to pick some grains of wheat. And this, the, the, the trails at that time that you would walk on went between people's fields. And at the very edges of their fields, they always left some of the, the wheat or the grain they were growing. They left it unharvested for the poor, for travelers. This was very common. And so you, you, you could walk along. It was no big deal. You weren't stealing from the people. This was part of that law also. You could take a few grains and start cracking them. And the Pharisees, you know, I, I don't know... They don't give a lot of background to this passage, but you can just imagine like the Pharisees hiding behind bushes. I mean, that's what I think of, right? And they like pop up and they're like, ding, ding, Jesus, you know, red light, alarms going off. And they're like, your disciples are picking grain on the Sabbath. They're breaking the law. We got you. You know, because they're, they're like, we, we, can, we can catch him. We can catch him. But there's a fundamental, because of their pride, there's a fundamental misunderstanding of who God is, of who they are, and of their response to the disciples. Here's what I mean. Pride brings God down to our level, and it brings us up to His level. Right? It exalts us up to Him. This is what pride does. And when that happens, if we have said, God, you're holy and you're majestic, but you're not, I mean, it's not like that big of a deal. And, and if we have said, yes, I'm not a I'm not the best person in the world. I mean, okay, you know, I, I make mistakes, I, you know, but it's not that big of a deal. You know, I can, that, this is what the Pharisees were doing. They were bringing God low. They were bringing themselves high, which ultimately meant this. I can do it. I can meet God's standards. These standards of the law, I think I can do it. I think I can accomplish it. And that's what they were trying to do with all these, these very rigid rules Picking grains of sand. They were like, if we just follow it to the absolute T, we can do it. We can be like God. That's pride. But what happens here is that they have a fundamentally terrible view of God. Because if I can earn it, if I can be good enough for God's standards, then God is incredibly harsh. And he's always asking more of me. And they're always tacking on extra laws to the laws that were there. Why? Because God doesn't care about mercy at that point. He cares about sacrifice. Think, think about it for a minute. Think about it for a minute. If you can earn it, right, you're going to find that God is incredibly demanding on you. If you think you can get to God by doing good things, the law and God himself becomes exceptionally harsh. Yeah, I know you've sacrificed for me. I know you've given up some things for me, but I want more. I want to take more. And this is the attitude the Pharisees brought into the people all around them. They were like, they were harsh. They, were condemned, they, they condemned the disciples right here in this passage. Jesus, look at your disciples. They're doing what is wrong, what is unlawful on the Sabbath. God's out to get them, right? Right? 
God's out to get them because we feel like God's out to get us. So I'm sure he's out to get these other people. This is the same attitude the Pharisees brought in to like hanging out with what they called sinners, people who weren't in the inner circle. And what, what did they do when it came to sinners? They may, they may know how they treated, quote, sinners, as Jesus describes it. We've covered it a little bit in Matthew already. They avoided them like the plague. Because they assumed those people over there, they haven't sacrificed a thing for God. Not a thing. They haven't lifted a finger for God. How could God care even in the slightest bit about them? But look at the sacrifices we're making for you, God. We are the ones, we're the inner circle of the inner circle because we think that we can earn it. Um, so Jesus comes to them, and this is what's really fascinating and interesting. And he says, Jesus says to them, Learn what it means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. That's what Jesus says to these Pharisees after they've accused the disciples and accused him of breaking the law. What did Jesus mean by that? He meant to say to them, God's about mercy. He's so high. He's so holy. He's so lifted up. He's so majestic. You don't reach him. You don't reach up through your efforts. The law is not a ladder to climb up to God. That's not what the law is. The law is a response to the mercy of God. That's what the law was always meant to be. It's what the law still means today. He's saying, I desire mercy. Mercy. View yourself rightly. This was Jesus' whole point in his teaching on the Sermon on the Mount was, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those that understand they don't have what it takes. We don't have what it takes to reach God, but He gives mercy to those that understand that. So my question this morning, kind of a practical application question from this first point, and I had to ask myself this question this week. Do we see God through the lens of pride? Are we blind to who God really is? Um, have you abandoned all hope of climbing up to Him? I mean, I had to ask myself that question because here's why I had to ask myself that question. I, I often find myself thinking like the Pharisees. What I mean by that is I, I'm like, man, God's harsh. He just wants so much from me. You know? And, and I know when that attitude is creeping in, when I'm viewing God as a, as a, as a cosmic policeman, as a, as a harsh taskmaster, I don't understand who he is, really, and I'm not understanding who I am, ultimately. I'm thinking, I'm earning it. (laughs) I'm sacrificing for him. And gosh, I bet he just wants a few more sacrifices for me. But instead, as Jesus teaches, as the gospel teaches us, it's all of grace. (laughs) It's all of grace. Every good thing I do is God's grace in my life, working in me and through me. It's not me gutting it out, sacrificing for God. God is not harsh. That's what Jesus is trying to teach them. Jesus briefly explains here for a moment the mercy of God. He says, remember the story about King David? King David's out with, his, with his, a few of his mighty men, and it, Saul is pursuing him. And they stop at the temple. They're super hungry. They can find food nowhere. They stop at the temple, and David asks Ahimelech for some bread. 
And the only bread that's there is what's called the consecrated bread. This was 12 loaves that was in the holy of holy, that was in the, the inner sanctum of the temple at the time. And uh, it represented the 12 tribes of Israel. And they never, no one ate it. Ever. Right? So David's walking in there and he's saying, I'm really hungry. Can you get some bread? And Himalek's like, all right, I'll go get that bread for you, the consecrated bread. This is a big deal. Right? I mean, it seems like an affront to God's holiness. Right? But what Jesus is trying to show is like, God's merciful, Pharisees. God's merciful. He understands human need. The, the, the point of the laws is love, is what Jesus is trying to get across. And I'll, I'll show that a, a little bit more in just a minute. But then he goes on. Jesus says, what about the priests? He says this to the Pharisees. What about the priests? They, they work and they do all this stuff on the Sabbath and yet God doesn't strike them down dead. God doesn't condemn them. Why? Because God understands them and God is merciful. Because God is merciful. The point of the law is not to, not to be harsh. The point of the law is love. And here's what I mean by that. The second... I'm, we'll explain that part with our second point. Because of blinding pride, the Pharisees missed the message of the law. Um, this, this, comes, this comes to bear with this, this picture of Jesus walking into the synagogue and there's this man there who has a shriveled hand. right? And the Pharisees are like, alright, we can trap him. <laughs> we got him now. Jesus, is it lawful to heal this man on the Sabbath? And Jesus is like, look, you guys don't get it. You don't, your pride, you don't understand the law. The law is meant to show God's giving and God's love and God's goodness. And we reflect that goodness by, through our obedience of the law. Because they're saying, you know, Jesus, you're going to break the law and you're going to be a lawbreaker if you heal this guy. And Jesus is like, look, if you had a sheep that falls into a pit, are you going to leave it there to die because it's the Sabbath because the Sabbath, and he's like, so, so, he, so Jesus, to confront them, heals the man immediately. You know, he, he says, the, the man stretch, he says, stretch out your hand. The man stretched out his hand and was instantly healed. Jesus is saying, look, if you think about, and I think this is good for us to see this morning, if you think about the Ten Commandments, these are the main laws of God, right? These are the biggies. Ten laws, they're called. Ten words is what they called them in first century uh, Judaism. They're about love. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever processed that? Right? They can seem a little harsh, like, do not do this, do not do that, don't, oh, don't be bad, don't, don't steal, don't, don't lie. But the first four commandments are all about love for God. That's it. That's, that's the essence of them. It's, a, it's don't have other gods because love me alone. I, I want a loving relationship with you, says God. I, I brought you out of the land of Egypt. I loved you by saving you. Now, this is about loving me. Then the last six commandments are about loving other people. That's the essence of them. Don't take from other people. Don't, don't covet another person's husband or wife. Don't ruin someone else's life. Love the people around you. I have loved you first. I brought you out of Egypt. I saved you from destruction. Now you go and you love others. The Pharisees had taken that that broader concept, and they had ruined it in their pride. They had said, we can achieve this perfectly. We can do all of these things, and we're going to use this as a ladder to get up to God. And it was crushing them. 
It was crushing their hearts. It was crushing their souls. And it was also crushing the people around them. Jesus got to this point last week when we looked at the burden. Right? Jesus said, my burden is light. My yoke is easy. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. He was talking about the people who were being crushed by this overbearing law that the Pharisees were bringing to them. They were just, ugh, it was just, it was nothing about love. It was nothing, it was all about zapping people. Zap you. You're messing up, I'm going to zap you. And, the, and so they had given people the impression that that's exactly what God was like. That God is just kind of roaming around and like, you're doing okay right now, but you better not screw up. And he is just gonna, He's ready to just come over to you and just zap you for everything you're doing wrong. He's just watching. He's peeking behind the bushes, just checking you out. <laughs> and Jesus, the perfect example of how this is not true about God is from Isaiah. And Matthew quotes it. Here is, he, he quotes it. He says, This is my chosen servant, my beloved, the one whom I love, the one who will bring justice to the nations, the one who is quiet and meek, the one who is gentle and compassionate, and the one in whom the nations will put their hope. Jesus said to Philip at one point, When you see me, you see the Father. Have you thought about that before? Have you thought about the fact that God is gracious? God is gentle? God is slow to anger? Has that been your experience even recently? That it says, Jesus says, a bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In other words, though you are hurt, though you are in pain even from your own sin, the business of Jesus is not to go, I'm going to stamp you out because you screwed up. God is saying, no, 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 no. I'm gentle. I will come. I will heal. I will bring fullness and wholeness back into your life. What is it? I, think, think about it for yourself. Where have you been hurt? Maybe by other believers? Maybe by family members? Maybe by your own sin. The heart of God, the heart of Jesus right here, is to bring healing. Is to bring wholeness back into our lives. That is the kind of God we serve. And that is exactly what the Pharisees were unable to see. They could not see it. And this is true, I mean, I thought about it this week. This is true certainly for Charlottesville also. And we can easily fall into this trap. Right? Charlottesville is a great place. I love it. But there's a lot of intelligence. There's a lot of money. There's a lot of gifts that's here in Charlottesville. And it's easy because of those things for people, us, to get prideful, right? And to think that somehow we can do it on our own. Right? That's, that's what pride teaches. The school of pride is the school the Pharisees had been raised up in. Somehow that pride teaches that we're smart enough to solve the problems of the world and the problems in our own hearts. Pride teaches that I'm good enough to achieve the high moral ground, that I can find a moral way of living that will prove me to other people and to God. Pride teaches I'm powerful enough to control my life and the lives of the people around me. Pride teaches I'm wealthy enough to provide for myself and for others. And if that's true... Why would I need God? 
It's a fundamental misunderstanding of who we are, right? Pride blinds us to who God is, but pride also blinds us to who we are and what we're actually capable of. One of the the people that um, has taught me the most about Jesus and about the heart of God and about who I am is, is this couple in Lexington, Virginia. We moved here from Lexington, Virginia. And they were a family that they had adopted three children uh, with special needs. And they had raised them, I mean, pretty severe uh, schizophrenia uh, for one of the children, just mental disability for another children. And I had I watched them uh, and heard about them in raising these children. And I saw them, love them, even when we were in Lexington because they, they had moved to Lexington. It's a small town in the mountains of Virginia. They had moved there because there was a program at this one farm in the area for people with special needs. And they were hoping to get their kids plugged in there. Well, that whole program just fell apart a few months after they moved there. And so they ended up taking care of their kids full-time again. And it was just incredible to watch their grace and their love and the way they gave to these kids. And then on top of that, the wife and the family traveled all over the country teaching women, to, uh, teaching nurses to use ultrasound machines so that they could provide free ultrasounds to any girl that got pregnant uh, and perhaps save some pregnancies uh, through that. And then he also, met the, the husband in the family, mentored me, cared for me, watched over me, treated me like a son. And es- essentially what I saw was the heart of God. Pride takes. That's what pride does. And that's what, that's what the Pharisees had gotten in the business of, taking. They took the best seats in the house. They took, they took from other people. They literally would take money from other people. And I think pride works in the same way even today. But what Jesus is teaching, what I think this passage teaches us, is that if you can take the blinders of pride off for just a moment, you will see that the heart of God is one of giving. One of constant, consistent, persistent giving of Himself to us. And so when we, under, when we feel that, know that, experience that, um, are brought to salvation through His gifts, through His giving, we then are freed up to be the, be the same way ourselves, right? It goes hand in hand. We then becomes the ones who give. One of the marks that Jesus talks about uh, that Christians are supposed to be known for is generosity. Truly giving of ourselves. And I wanted to close with, or so, sorry, I wanted to pause for, as we end to talk about how I appreciate y'all. The generosity of everyone in this room. Thank you. Really. Uh, this has been, it's just a treat to journey together uh, in seeing God build His church. And I have known Jesus better because of your generosity. Because of your giving. I see Jesus in you. That's not a small thing. Rejoice in that. And keep receiving from Him. Receive His grace that you might be able to give His grace to those around us. And honestly, as we approach the table, 
this morning. This is meant by Jesus to be a picture of the way that God gives. Jesus is the ultimate picture of God's giving, of the heart of one who gives generously. Jesus, um, when He was sitting in the upper room with His disciples, it was the night that He was betrayed, when He was with His disciples, He broke the bread and He said, this is My body, which is broken for you for the forgiveness of sins. It's important for us to see that this is not just some perfunctory meal, communion, the Lord's Supper that we go, to, go through, but this is in fact an incredible, visible picture of God's gracious and giving heart. That He would fill us with Jesus. That He would send His Son to die for us and to live for us and to give us a perfect record of righteousness. Let's approach the table 